you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10 as we continue to walk through this gospel of Mark. Um, and as we do, as you're turning to that passage, I just want to give you a couple of, of praise reports. And these might seem like late reports uh, because these are, are two things that happened um, over 25 years ago. All right? But I didn't have the report to share that I found. I found this out this week. All right? So some of you, not that many of you, but some of you were a part of Midway Community Church 25 years ago. Um, we weren't meeting in this, in this building yet. This was still a chicken house area. But we were meeting in the in Midway Elementary School. And um, one of the, Ron Hagler mentioned this um, two weeks ago, um, as he, um, or it may have been last week, you think. No, I think it was two weeks ago. Anyway, as he, as he explained our son Sam um, Rop's situation um, as we were praying for him to go to Rwanda. And uh, when Sam was in Rwanda this past week, um, helping lead a a workshop on on translating the Bible into the Rwandan sign language and teaching them some technical skills and things that they needed um, to to get it on YouTube for for the deaf community, the the guy in charge of the workshop, his name is Patrick, he's a deaf guy in, in Rwanda, and he told Sam um, toward the end of that week, he said, because um, Sam shared his testimony in one of the meetings, and uh, he said, Sam, please tell your mom and dad, thanks for adopting you, because we're really glad you're here doing this. Now, Ron mentioned last, last week, Sherry, yeah, Sherry and I did adopt him, but so did you. We, we weren't alone in this. I was watching... I was watching, you know, listening to Melvin, watching her sing. Melva was, was here 25 years ago. And I was thinking Ron knew from firsthand experience. He and Beth were here 25 years ago. And um, Ron referred to a, a commitment that the church made on the, on the Christmas Eve service of uh, 1997, a long time ago. But they made, a, they made a commitment that night. There were about 25 people there. And... Um, they said in, the, in their letter to us, as we're getting ready to go to China to pick him up, they, they basically said, we're in this with you. This is probably not going to be that easy. And we're in this with you. And then they did that. They prayed. And they helped. And they, they prayed. <laughs> and they helped and they kept and, and taught. And, and led him to faith in Christ. You know, and I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say who his Sunday school teacher was the year he received Christ. Um, that that got that whole conversation going, um, because Judy Hobby always gets mad at me when I when I when I bring that up. But we did that together, and and we praise God 25 years later that there's a group of of deaf people in Rwanda working really hard at getting the Bible in their sign language. And so I praise God for you and all the support that you gave us and that we all together gave Sam with God's grace and strength to get him to the place where he is today doing that work. And so praise God for using his church. Now, another thing that happened that same year, um, you as a church sent me to the Ukraine. I'd gone a number of times representing Mount Vernon Baptist Church, and you sent me for my last trip there. I didn't know it was going to be the last trip, and it may not be the last, but the last so far. You sent me there, and 
this this past Friday, I had lunch. Sherry and I had lunch with a, with a man and his wife, uh, who was our interpreter that week. Um, and so he's the one who heard all of my all of my messages to the groups I was sharing with before you know before they did, and. He told me in, our, in the car ride on the way to the restaurant, he said, Dean, thanks for coming to Ukraine for two reasons. First, you helped us get ready for what's going on right now. Now, I, I obviously wasn't the only one. There were a lot of Christians that were going to Ukraine at that time. He said, Dean, we're not so much a mission field anymore as we are a, a missionary sending church now. And he said, and, and, and you all that, that helped us in that time when we needed your help, you helped us get ready for what's going on now. And then on a personal level, he said, thank you because I got my life straightened out by interpreting for you. And he said, I was able to overcome my alcoholism and get my life right with the Lord again. He had already, he already knew Christ, but he wasn't following Christ. And he, and he said, and over the, over the course of years, I started interpreting for a Christian organization in Ukraine and they saw potential in me, sent me to school, and now I'm the director of that ministry in Ukraine and Belarus and Hungary and a, and a couple of other, uh, Slovakia and a couple of other countries um, in, uh, in that area. And he said, this next week when I get back, which is, he's on his way back today and his wife, we're going to have a, a, a gathering of 80 um, pastors and church leaders who, are, who we're going to help train to help victims of the trauma of this war. And so as the, as the, as the church reaches out to the people who are, who are victimized, they've been raped, they've, they've seen awful, terrible things, they've lost loved ones, all these different kind of things, he said, we're going to be training these pastors and other church leaders to help minister to these trauma victims in, in our country. And so we didn't know that 25 years ago. We didn't know what happened by me going there. I knew I loved going there. I knew I, I made some great friends and, and was really thankful for the opportunities. But I didn't know what happened. But we know today that one man was, was able to conquer something really important in his life and is now being used in a lot of people's lives, especially during this time of war in their country. So 25 years ago, Midway Community Church, um, by your faithful giving, by your prayers, by your support of me to do that ministry, we're able to do something that's even impacting the circumstances right now. And so praise God for the fruit of the ministries that we're involved in. We often don't find out what that fruit is. Sometimes it takes 25 years. Sometimes we find out the day after. Sometimes we find out the day of. But we're praying today for fruit from this passage in God's word from Mark chapter 10. We're, we're expecting God to do something in all of our lives whenever we open up the pages of his word. And so look with me at page or at verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. They're on their way to Jerusalem. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, excuse me, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, 
he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And anybody was louder than that. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. They've changed their tune. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. So just try to picture this in your mind a little bit. I tried to give you a little picture of that this morning. Just picture this guy throwing off his cloak and jumping to his feet and scrambling as a blind man would have had to, bumping into people and probably getting you know, knocked around and stuff, making his way to the voice that he heard. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, the blind man said Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. It's hard for us to imagine that. Oh, we've seen, you know, we've seen beggars like Bartimaeus. Um, and we've, you know, all of us at different times, we've probably helped some, and then some we thought were part of the gang of beggars or whatever that, you know, does their thing or whatever. And, um, but here this guy, blind, we don't know if he was blind from birth or came later in his life, but it, whatever whatever the circumstance was, he, he didn't have any way of making a living. And so he sat and asked people for, for help. And there were numerous people in Jerusalem that did that. There, there, were, there were arrangements made for them in the law for them to, to be able to have certain places where they could be and, and where people would, would respect them and, and give, them, give them financial help. But what a, what a dark lonely life Bartimaeus was experiencing. But we know some things about Bartimaeus. He'd been paying attention. He'd been paying attention to, to the, the things he'd been hearing about Jesus of Nazareth. It also, this, this word also tells he had some connection with, with Old Testament history. Because he was putting together, partly by the prophecy that we read this morning, that Mark read this morning in our scripture reading from Isaiah 35, he was putting things together and thinking that if Jesus of Nazareth is doing the things I'm hearing that he's doing, he must be the promised Messiah that Isaiah announced and that, that David is the, is the father of. So, he, so he's shouting out to the son of David. He's put things together. This guy has some understanding of the Old Testament, of the promises of the prophets, of the provision that God had promised to bring through Israel to raise up, as we were singing this morning, to raise up the lamb 
the son of David, the son of God, and he's coming to my town, and he, the word of God says he was going to heal the blind, and I've been hearing that he's been doing that. Maybe he'll heal me. So what's he do about it? He doesn't send somebody for him. He takes matters into his own hands and starts yelling. Yelling annoyingly. The people around were, were also excited to see, to see Jesus. They weren't as desperate as he was, but they didn't want him to mess up the special opportunity they're having and be an embarrassment to them. So shut up, man, shut up. This is a, this is a great day for our town. This is a great day for our city. Be quiet. Nope. We sing a song about not being quiet. Bartimaeus could have written that song. He's not going to be quiet. He needs, he needs help. The word of God says that when the Messiah comes, he's going to give sight to the blind. I'm blind. I need sight. I'm letting him know I'm here. And he continued his yelling. And Jesus, in the midst of all the stuff that was going on, the noise that was happening, Jesus heard that cry of this desperate man who is putting two and two together as Jesus wants us to do so much. We see it throughout his, his ministry as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. He's expecting people to get some of this stuff. And so many people aren't getting it. Bartimaeus was getting it. He's calling him the son of David. He's asking for his sight, and he, and he gives him an opportunity one more time. He says, what do you want me to do for you? After that just amazing moment when, when Bartimaeus got up and, and just threw everything aside. You remember when he threw his cloak aside? You remember what would have been flying out with it? All the coins that people had dropped on him that day just probably went flying too. He didn't care about that right now. He's got, he's got an opportunity for something bigger, for something better. And he makes his way to Jesus and answers the question. What do you want me to do for you? And now, instead of calling him son of David, he calls him rabbi, master. Again, recognizing Jesus for who he is. And he's his master. He's, he's making this, this, this personal statement to the, to the Lord himself, submitting himself to him, saying, I want to see. And by saying that, by getting up like he did, by calling out to him, he's already indicating to Jesus that he believes that he's the, he's the one. He's the one who can do this. He has faith. That's what believing is, is having faith. He believes that Jesus is the one, that he can do it. And, that, and by this time, since Jesus has called, called him to come up, he's probably expecting that Jesus is going to do it. Not only that he can, that he's going to. And Jesus does it again. Now, we could say, you know, we've been reading, you know, we're in chapter 10 now. We've seen numerous healings, numerous, you know, demon possessions, you know, all this kind of stuff. We've seen Jesus do all this stuff. We've, we don't get tired of this, do we? We better not. We better not because he's continuing to let people know, this time through this blind man, he's continuing to let people know 
in spite of the fact, as he's been announcing to his disciples, that he's on his way to Jerusalem to die, he is, he's going to die for a reason. He's got a purpose. And they ought to be looking to him to fulfill that purpose as he heals this blind man. Again, rem- should be a reminder to all of them, as it was to Bartimaeus, that he is the Son of God. He's not a doctor. He's not a healer. He's the Son of God. He's doing this because he made Bartimaeus. He made these eyeballs. He made the optic nerve. He made all the stuff that isn't working right now, and he can fix it and make it work. That, and he's not doing it to say, okay, from now on, I'm going to heal every blind person who calls out to me. He's doing it then, at that time, to let people know that he is who they've been expecting and they need to put their faith in him. And yes, he's healed plenty of blind people since then. But he's also, he's also taken many blind people and through their faith in him, even though they still can't see, he's given them hope and he's given them something to do to give him honor and glory and to shine for him in their lives. Many of us who've, uh, who've been in church for some years have sung the hymns of Fanny Crosby. Anybody recognize that name? Yeah, I thought you'd recognize it. She was, she was in fact, at the turn of the, two centuries ago, before 1900, at the turn of that century, she was one of the most famous people in the United States. She was one of the biggest celebrities. You know, I got a text from, from a friend who's, he and his, his brother sent their daughters to the Tay-Tay concert this weekend. Same as saying, who's that? Taylor Swift. All right, I learned that. I didn't know that before I got this text. Taylor Swift is one of the, one of the most famous people in our country right now. Well, Fanny Crosby was the Taylor Swift of, of our country during those years. And what she was famous for was her poetry that was converted to hymns that many of us still sing today. If you come on Wednesday night in particular, we sing hymns on our Sunday morning service too, but we sing more of them Wednesday nights, a lot of Fanny Crosby songs. She, she didn't receive her sight until she met the Lord face to face in glory. She lived her entire life after age of six weeks. She lived her entire life in blindness, but she was not in darkness. She knew what it meant to have her eyes open before she could see with her physical eyes. When she understood the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And she embraced the same Jesus that healed Bartimaeus, even though he didn't heal her. That didn't bother her. That didn't make her complain. In fact, somebody asked her one time, you know, don't you wish you could see? She said, actually, I'm being honest with you. I'm glad that the first thing I'm ever going to see is the face of Jesus. So I'm not in a hurry. And all of her songs, almost all of them in her poems, talk about seeing. Because she could see really well without her sight. Because Jesus had taken her out of darkness and put her into the light when she put her trust in him. Just like he did Bartimaeus. 
Because what did Bartimaeus do with his sight? Well, you know of one thing. We'll find out more later. He followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. We don't know for how, you know, we don't know if he, if he was with him all week, if he was in the crowd that, that in, the, in the next day or so was going to be waving palm branches. We don't know if he was in that crowd. He might have been. Probably was. He probably saw Jesus hanging on the cross with those new eyes that he had. He probably saw the resurrected Christ. We don't know all the details. We will. But just like he followed Jesus, Fanny Crosby followed Jesus, just like all of us who have been taken from darkness into the light. Oh, he did the physical healing, again, demonstrating who he was, announcing to them very clearly and plainly, I'm the one you've been expecting. Put your trust in me. And John tells us in his gospel, in chapter 1, most of them did not. Most of them, most of that crowd that day in Jericho did not. Bartimaeus did. Most of them did not. But to those who received him. This is John 1, 12. But to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Praise his name. He's still doing that today. He's still turning the light on for us. He didn't heal my grandmother physically, but she could still see. She could still shine for him. I think about her every Sunday when we sing because I got to sit by her a lot in church. She had toys for me in her purse. But I heard her sing. I heard her sing praise to Jesus so much. When I sing praise to Jesus, I think of her. He's doing the same thing in all of us who believe. Whether we can see with our eyes or not, he opens our eyes spiritually so that we can understand that he is the Savior. That he will forgive us of our sins. That he'll use us to shine for him throughout this life. And that we have awaiting us an eternal glory that we can't even comprehend. That he's going to share with us that we might enjoy his fellowship, his company, and the company of all believers for all eternity. Until then, like the formerly blind Bartimaeus, we follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are really blessed this morning. Bill Thompson reminded us of some of the blessings of of living in America right now. And we're thankful for those blessings. But more than for the American blessings of comfort and convenience and safety and lack of persecution, we are thankful for the blessing of having eyes to see that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the one that you promised, that he's the one who's been eternally the Son of God, the creator of the universe and this world and all of us in it, 
and the sustainer of this universe and this world and all of us who are in it and the savior of all of us who believe. And so we praise you this morning for giving us eyes to see that you are that savior. And Father, some eyes are being opened this morning perhaps that for the first time they recognize, yes, Jesus is that promised Savior. I'm going to put my trust in him today. We pray that you would give many who are here this morning or watching online or listening later this week, we pray that you would give many the insight to put their trust in Jesus. And Father, for those of us who have put our trust in you but have not been following you, we pray that you would use Bartimaeus as an inspiration for us. That we would use this newfound sight, understanding of who you are, that you would use us to shine for you in everything that we do. Father, we thank you that as a church, you use us in many, many different ways. But we also thank you that as individuals, you do the same. And so we pray this morning, as we've been encouraged by how you've been using us as a church, that you would also remind us of the strength and power and calling that you've given us to shine for you in everything that we do, in every relationship that we have, in every opportunity that you give us, that we would shine for you, that you would make us fruitful for your kingdom, even as you're continuing to bear fruit through the testimony of your faithful servant, Bartimaeus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.